Hi there, I'm Sarah Subiata Bennett, your host of the Dallas Express video podcast. In this episode, I have the pleasure of conversing with Craig Davis, the president and CEO of Visit Dallas. With the wealth of experience in enhancing business and tourism in various cities across the nation, Craig has dedicated the last four years to leveraging his expertise for the benefit of Dallas. Following our insightful discussion with Craig, we'll follow VisitDallas.com's recommendation and make our way to Harwood Arms for a delightful blend of entertainment and lunch. Thanks for watching. Craig, I am so happy that you're with us. And I am particularly excited about this interview because you're not originally from Dallas, and yet you are now the CEO of Visit Dallas, which is responsible for bringing billions of dollars worth of business to the city. Can you tell me what you love and relish in most in your day-to-day -day activities as CEO of Visit Dallas? Perfect. Well, first, Sarah, thanks for having me on. I got here four years ago with my wife, mm -hmm. and um, we we got here right before the pandemic, and we all know what happened in the pandemic. I'm yeah. sick of talking about the pandemic, but I come from the tourism industry, and you could argue that that was the one industry that got hit the most By far. Um, negatively um, from a business standpoint. And yes. I'm not putting aside healthcare and all the other important parts of this, but um, we went from an aggregate occupancy one night in the high 70s to single digits overnight, and it stayed there. So we thought we were going to see the end of the industry for a while. That's right. So. Um, having said that, the thing that gets me up in the morning is that, that there's just so much happening in Dallas right now in its present and in its future. But where I get my energy from are the people from Dallas. I came here with my wife four years ago, not knowing a soul. And I will tell you that four years later, we have some of the most lifelong friends that we have established, couples, individuals, and we love this city. I feel like I've left, I've been here all my life. Well, that makes me happy. And I think it very much speaks to the culture of the city. It does. It's beautiful. And I'm not originally from I know that. Dallas yeah. as well. Yeah. I'm from El Paso. But the people here are, I mean, it's my home. And yes. it's now your home. So we're happy to have you. Thank you. And in just kind of looking at some of the numbers involved with Visit Dallas, the Convention Center is one of the largest attractions and attracting features of our city. And more than 22 million visit Dallas every year. Okay but they spend 4.4 billion and generate a total economic impact of 7.2 billion. But much of that is attributed to the business in the convention center. Can you speak to what the convention center is now and what it will look like in the future? Well, right now, Dallas Punch is way above its weight. Our convention center is, for the first part of it was built in 1957. And it has been built in five different stages with five different mechanical systems. Mm -hmm. um, it is, there's $700 million worth of deferred maintenance on that. Mm -hmm. So let me let that sink in that we have been driving a junker for a long time. But despite that, this community has sold Dallas in a very, very particular way. And it has been wildly successful. Now, we're, we have a number of customers that simply can't use us because the facilities in the K. Bailey Hutchison Convention Center are subpar at this point in time. Um, when it rains outside, it rains inside. Mm -hmm. um, that's just the least of the, the issues. Um, but it's just not structurally built for the convention that happens today. So that's the bad news. The good news is, is that we're breaking ground this year in 2024, and we will have a new convention center in the towards the latter part of 2028. And that is, we're calling it an expansion because we have to, but it is essentially going to be a brand new center. So 
by the numbers, we're going from 700,000 square feet of exhibit space to 800,000 square feet of exhibit space. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, we're going from 160,000 square feet of breakout space okay. to 430,000 square feet of breakout space. And what that means is we're finally going to be able to attract the type of clientele in the medical, financial, pharmaceutical worlds that couldn't touch us before because we simply couldn't accommodate them. So we're going to get a high-end customer opportunity for conventions downtown than we've never had before. And along with a new convention center, we're going to get a brand new neighborhood mm -hmm. at the convention center. So the prospects are very, very positive for us to create something brand new for Dallas. And I'm liking it to what Clyde Warren Park did for that part of Dallas. I love that because Clyde Warren Park is so energetic and special. It is. And I've mentioned this many times before on interviews that I've had that it breaks my heart what our downtown Dallas looks like right now, while other areas in our DFW Metroplex yeah. continue to blossom and flourish. Right by Dallas City Hall, when I look at how we could potentially develop the convention center area or neighborhood and attract certain businesses, and I see this high count of the homeless persons right by Dallas City Plaza. This count was completed on January the 6th, and it's from Grant Thornton and Ashford Group of Companies. So this is where the data was collected from site-wise. But do you foresee any problems or impediments happening due to this type of congregation of the homeless in this area? It's very heavily dominated here, as you can see. You know, I'm not going to pretend that that's not a question that we get asked by our customers. And so from our standpoint, the way that we look at this is that, you know, we, we would love a measure of control um, that we can keep our homeless population safe. Out of our convention center, people walk to their hotels, they walk to restaurants. It is very much during the times when we have convention, conventions downtown, um, we have visitors from all over the world walking around. and. While you can argue quite rightfully that that's the situation in every single big city and yeah. most small cities, the way that we kind of sell against other cities is we talk about how, how much less you find actually in Dallas compared to our competitive set. And I know that that's kind of a cheap way of doing it, but when you compare what we do with what our cities, our competitive cities do, we're in a much better oh, place sure. when you look at crime sure. stats and that sort of thing. So we sell our very best. And while knowing that we have to do something about this, if this is a crisis. So I know there's a very heated debate um, consisting of this gambling mm -hmm. that could otherwise be coming to the area. Can you tell us a little bit about what you know about this particular topic and if there are any plans to bring that to downtown Dallas should things work out in legislation? Well, that's the million dollar question. I mean, I think we've all done enough research to know that this casino, and it could it could be years, a decade yeah, before it comes right. here, but I think that we need to have a healthy conversation right now about what, what it is. And I have a little bit of experience because I spent in my career, I'm from Toronto, Canada originally, but I spent 30 years in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh. And I was there at the starting when we were, they first started to debate whether they bring gaming into the, into the state. It may be a very different situation now four years later, I can't speak to that, but my experience is, is that it was a positive thing for Pittsburgh. For them, um, it worked because when they do these kinds of deals with casino gambling institutions, the amount of money that can be go to a tax back to 
the community back to the state is astounding. It is. And that's money, in my opinion, right now, that's going to Oklahoma, that's going to uh, Louisiana, it's going to other states that surround us that um, that people are gambling right now. Um, they're gambling out of their, their phone and they're, um, and they're driving to these, these destinations. So I don't want to make a moral judgment about it, but the money is going to other states and the, the practical side of me, the business side of me says, why don't we keep that money here and let, it, let that money do good for the people of Dallas and the people of Texas. I couldn't agree more with you on that. And I'm spending a lot of my time, as, as you know, on these homelessness initiatives yeah. to bring a response like Haven for Hope to Dallas, uh, something comparable, something centralized where people can get help from A to Z, everything in one stop shop. Okay, then there's crime. All right, so yes, we're trying to get more money to the police force yes. for, I mean, God knows how many things, but now it's this, it's transit that has come up over and over and over, but I'm right there with you on that whole infrastructure that we need. These are big city problems. They are, and, they are. And they're also problems that are aligned with the fact that we are growing and growing and growing. We're going to be overtaking Chicago area right. by 2030. So we know that that is something that we're going to have to stitch together for the future. Uh, I come from Toronto originally. Yeah. And the joke in Toronto is Toronto is an hour away from Toronto because you can't get from a to B. Yeah. And I, I don't see that as being the problem here mm -hmm. in Dallas, but it could be. So mm -hmm. um, that's going to take a massive public-private effort to get a solution to getting people from point A to point B. It could even mean that Dallas is going to need some rebranding in some... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you set me up there. <laughs> uh, in some way, shape, or form. Can you talk to me a little bit about sure. that? Sure. We've been working for almost a year now at coming up with a real brand for Dallas. Mm -hmm. And that brand is, if I, if I asked your viewers and your listeners what the brand of Dallas would be, I would imagine it would be all over the place. Because we are, we are in a beautiful city in the, in the middle of the country. There isn't an ocean outside. There's, not, there's no mountains. It's not wine country. So the brand isn't obvious. But it's been distilled down to this, and this is the brand essence. This is not going to be a tagline. So mm -hmm. if you're if you're waiting for a tagline, it's it's not going to come quite quite right now. But what we've kind of fleshed out that Dallas has a maverick can-do spirit. So think about that. It is the embodiment of the people that we were just saying. What I just said to you before, the people that we've met and had made lifelong friends with. This is a place that gets stuff done. And for somebody from the outside, like you and I, they insist that we actually succeed. Mm -hmm. If we put an effort in, if we show up, then they're going to make sure that they share their resources with us to help us succeed. So how do you manifest that with a tourism message, with a business development message? I think those bones are pretty good. I mean, we have a maverick can-do spirit. Yeah, and, and thank you for sharing that because uh, Monty and I were walking down in kind of throughout Nashville and as we were walking through it, I was like, Monty, this music, the vibe, the, yeah. it's the perfect balance between Austin meets like country town almost, yeah. but in a very urban fashion. It has such soul. Yeah. And he was like, yes, this is what Dallas needs. This is so. So I'm going to speak to that. You know, when you go to Nashville, yeah. their, their, their tagline is Music City and it yes. fits them. It's but incredible. my my former colleague there, my former counterpart. Uh -huh. um, it was his group that came up with Music City. And he told the story of when they started to announce that he got hate mail from 
everyone from especially different universities and saying, you're ruining our brand. You're going to make us into a joke. And so when we first roll out this brand, how we decide to treat it, we're going to have some detractors. We're going to have some people that are going to question, but we're hoping that we can get our, our local community to embrace the essence of it so that if they embrace, embrace the essence, then it will actually be effective. It will be something that will, will go across the nation and across the world. Dallas needs a brand. Yes. And I love it. I do too. Yeah. I do too. Okay, I'm so. So when is this going to be? Launching? We're going to roll it. We're going to roll it out in March. In March. Yeah, and then you're going to see a different style in, in the way that we treat it. So yeah. people here, they they don't know what we do because we're not doing what we do to, for the citizens right. of Dallas specifically. We want them to have the benefit mm -hmm. of all these people coming in and spending their money, but we're marketing everywhere in the world except for here. I know. I, I wanted to talk to you about the World Cup. Yeah. But would you mind just sharing? briefly about those efforts that you sure. employed to bring this here? Well, FIFA, we have been working with FIFA for years and our whole community has been working with them. So all of the success that we will have in FIFA is as a result of an effort led by our community. Dallas Sports Commission is a, is a subsect of Visit Dallas. Mm -hmm. They were the ones that deal with FIFA directly, but our whole community, our whole Metroplex went after this and I feel really good about what's going to be announced. And remember, putting it in context, one World Cup game is worth a Super Bowl. So we could get That's at right. least eight Super Bowls or as much as 12 Super Bowls. And then the final game will be, if we get it, um, that will be something that will put us on an international map like never before. Well, I cannot wait, and I hope you'll come back on once we Anytime. know and once you launch this new brand. Because, I mean, it's that important. We launched it with our partners, so we didn't want to do it in a vacuum. And we wanted to gift this to all of our economic development uh, partners in the, mm -hmm. in the city so that we would have an aligned brand that would work for almost anything that we, we did as, in terms of, as I said, business development or tourism mm -hmm. or relocations, all the mm -hmm. things that make a, a great city great. And so if we get this right, I think it will help us tremendously as we continue to tell the story about Dallas. I love it. Well, thank you. You have Thanks, given Sarah. us more than enough of your time, and I truly appreciate you being here. But I really hope to have you back. You ask, I'll be here. Okay, good. Thank you. Thanks so much, Sarah. <laughs> and please stay with me to explore the very cozy pub, Harwood Arms, as I share a little bit more about my why behind this show. Okay, so we're at Harwood Arms. Um, it is absolutely fabulous here. The reason I wanted to come to Harwood Arms after our interview with Craig is because I grew up in El Paso and I waited tables. I was a hostess and I bartended at Bennigan's. And I've been encouraged to share a little bit about the why behind the podcast and about who I am as a person. And I thought, well, nothing would be more appropriate than an Irish bar where I feel most at home. I absolutely love the food, we're having wings and some delicious barley soup. And when I tell you, it's just an environment that I feel comfortable in. I grew up, not I grew up, but whenever I moved to Dallas, I have many memories at Idle Rich Pub that had to close down. And yeah, so this is an absolutely beautiful place that was featured on Visit Dallas. We had spoken extensively about 
how we wanted to ensure that a balanced voice was being communicated in not just written form, but equal extensions across video. And I remember Monty constantly saying, you'd be so good at that, you'd be so good at that. And I had Zubies at that point in time. And the economic environment with Zubies made it to where I had to make a decision to keep it running and dumping a lot of cash into it because the ingredients became outrageously high after COVID or shutting it down. And I'd, I'd grown it to a really, really great national scale and I had to make the really tough decision to shut it down. I just could not wrap my head around dumping a lot of cash into my company at that point in time. And I thought, okay, well, resilience, reinvention, now is the time to actually do something else that I would really love. I've never done it, but I've had lots of different um, public performance spaces in my life where I've done things like it. And yeah, so I jumped head in and I absolutely love this show, love the podcast. What my kids could learn from watching me in this show is to not just watch how much I love talking about community and civic matters that really, really will help move the needle in our community, but to remember what it was born out of. Um, it was born out of one of my absolute passions, my company, Zubies, having to shut down because the economy forced me to make a tough decision. And so it's from a really, really difficult circumstance that what I'm doing now was born out of. And I'm constantly preaching to them that, you know, it's from tough experiences, from failing, from rising from the ashes, that really beautiful things are born. And that is more than likely the one thing that I want them to, to remember and learn. It's a great question. Okay, besides Haven for Hope, I would have to say the Chief Eddie Garcia episode only because it drives home the importance of the responsibility that lies in our community leaders' responsibility to ensure that our budget in the city of Dallas is being utilized to its absolute and most effective capacity. And right now it's not. Um, there can be a lot done with the budget as it exists today to be able to ensure that our police are thriving and that they are able to be successful in helping to reduce crime. And I do believe that lots of conversations that we have on this show will really drive home that narrative. And Chief Eddie Garcia just places it into such simplicity, um, even though it's quite complex. Yep, I love, love that interview.